There's a lot of people in life that you meet and they leave footprints on your life. This is a guy that has left lasting footprints on my life. He's not only an incredible man of God, he's not only just an incredible husband, an incredible father, an incredible pastor. He's also my dear, dear friend, Kelly and I's friend, him and his beautiful wife, Karen. So come on, would you give it up for the God in Jerry Hunt as he comes to minister to us tonight? Yes! Thanks, man. Hey, how you doing? Well, this could be the last time. (laughs) Oh, praise God. Thank you, Pastor Philip and Miss Kelly, for inviting us back again, for allowing Karen and me to come back. I don't know why you keep doing it, but praise God. It's good to come home. It's good to be home. It's good to be in the house of God. It's even better to be the house of God. Did you know that your body, Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you actually are the temple of the living God. He dwells in us. Brother Al, Miss Ann, so good to see you. God bless you. I love you, man. God bless everybody. It's good to be here. Kara, thanks for all you do. did a great job, and thanks, everybody, for allowing us to be back. I have come as uh, the last of the Hunt boys. If you don't know who I am, my name is Jerry Hunt, and I have four brothers, Larry, Gary, Terry, Harry, and I'm Jerry. Now, you all know that. Now, that's redundant. That's repetitive. But I wanted you to know... I'm the last of the Mohicans, okay, uh, at least in my family, and I want to thank you for praying for us. I want to thank you for praying for my family. As you all know, about a year and a half ago, my parents passed away within three days of each other, and uh, my mom passed away at my dad's funeral. Just before the funeral started, she, she went out and went up, so praise God. We almost put her in the same casket with dad, but we thought that might not be a good idea at the moment, um, but at any rate, God has been faithful to me. He's been faithful to my wife and I. He's been faithful to my family. And I've come tonight to share something with somebody in the house who is wondering why you're frustrated with your Christian experience. I have to share with you what God's laid upon my heart. There are no tricks up my sleeve. I don't have any gimmicks. All I have is a Bible in my hand and a burden on my heart. And I want to share with you tonight what the Lord has laid on my heart. And I pray that God would speak to your heart because I know he's speaking to mine. And I know that if he's speaking to my heart, I can't be the only one. Somebody else has to be feeling what I'm feeling. Someone has to be sensing what I'm sensing. Uh, I want to share something with you tonight that's not new. I'm sure your pastor has shared this with you several times. I know the principle has been shared with you before. So if it seems like it's something you've heard before, then just shout now. So then you know what to do, all right? Uh, I remember my wife. I had gone about 10 years ago. I went to Uruguay, had the opportunity to go there and preach in several churches. And uh, Karen obviously did not go with me. And um, 
I, when I got there, I, I looked through my suitcase, and there was a card from her. Made me cry. I thought, this is the coolest thing. Anybody ever had it happen to you? Yeah, it's great, great. And uh, so I got home. My boy, I thanked her. I, I get, brought tears. My eyes was so good. I thought, man, this is, this is powerful, you know. So I didn't go back to Uruguay for about eight years. And uh, eight years later, I went just a couple years ago. And I got invited to go back. So I went back to Uruguay. And, and Karen wasn't with me again, of course. And so I, I was there about three days and, and uh, opened up my suitcase. And I had been, been uh, taking stuff out of it. And deep down inside, I found a card again. <laughs> oh, this is great. I got another one. So I opened it up, read it. Man, I got tears in my eyes. You know, it was really super. So I thought I'd call her up. So I called her up from Uruguay and told her thanks for the card. And she said, what card? And I said, that card you put in my suitcase. She said, I didn't put any card in your suitcase. She said, that was the card I put in eight years ago. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? And it got to me just the same. It was just as fresh as if she had written it that day. Does anybody know what I'm trying to say? You know, you never get tired, I don't, of hearing amazing grace. And you know why? Because there's something in it. There's a relationship there. And the relationship that my wife and I have together is only because of Jesus. And it's keeping Jesus in his proper place that we know that what this word says to us, even though you've read it a hundred times, even though you've seen it a thousand times, that word is still fresh and it's alive because Christ paid the price on Calvary and made it so. Hallelujah. Well, I haven't started yet, but Luke chapter 10. So turn with me there. Luke chapter 10. I want to talk to you today about Mary, Martha, or both. Mary, Martha, or both. Um, why is it that Christian marriages are in trouble today? Why is it that Christian churches are jumping on every bandwagon of every gimmick trying to struggle for survival? Why is it that some Christians are frustrated in their Christian experience? Why are preachers struggling? Why is it that the church is competing with the world? And I have no idea why, but why are they? Why is it that the truth or revelation doesn't come? When it ought to come. How come revelation? How about truth? How come truth isn't, what, isn't being revealed as it once was? What's going on around here? Now, like I said, I didn't come maybe to make friends and influence people. But I come to tell you tonight what God has laid upon my heart. And beginning in Luke chapter 10, this is what I've been thinking about. So I'm preaching to myself today. So you can listen in. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now it came to pass... As they went, that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary. Now, you're all familiar with this story. Listen to the next words. Are you with me? It says, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Do you see that? What's the word that sticks out to me in that verse? Well, out of many things, the word that sticks out to me in that line is this. Mary, which also sat. It's the word also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But look at verse 40. It says, but Martha was cumbered about much serving, doing, doing, activity, and came to him and said, Lord, 
get this, you guys. Dost thou not care? Can you imagine saying that to Jesus? Don't you care? What would you, what would you think if someone walked up to Jesus and said, don't you care? Don't you care? Maybe you've said that. Don't you care? She says that my sister has left me to serve alone. Bid her, therefore, that she help me. Tell her, Jesus. Give it to her. Give her the business. Let her know how it's supposed to be. Tell her how the cow ate the cabbage, as they used to say. You've never heard that expression? Oh, well. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Hallelujah. There it is. That's what I want to talk to you about today. Mary, Martha, or both. Revelation, demonstration, or both. I like Mary and Martha. You guys like Mary and Martha? I like them. They're such nice people. I identify with Martha, I think, a lot. Does anybody identify with Martha? The doing, the doing, the serving, the doing, the activity, the moving. Doing for Jesus. I can just see it on Facebook now. Do you identify with Mary or Martha? Take this quiz and see whether you come out a Mary or a Martha. Man, people really go for those things, don't they? Martha was busy. Martha was busy. She had attitude issues. What was Martha's attitude? What was Martha's attitude? Here's her attitude. Don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? How many would say that's a bad attitude? I would. But you see, she had attitude issues, not because she served and Mary sat, but because she only served and didn't sit. Martha had an attitude problem because she only served and didn't sit. Mary also sat at his feet. How many know that Mary also served, but she also sat? It doesn't say Mary never served. It just says that Mary sat. You see, friends, we have got to learn to sit at his feet. Now, how do you know that Mary served? Well, it says that, do you not care that my sister have left me to serve alone? See that? But I also know this. I also know that Mary also served as well as sat because there is no way that you could sit at his feet And come away from that experience with this attitude, I don't do dishes. There's no way you could sit at Jesus' feet and come away with an attitude that says, I don't do windows, I don't set up chairs, and I don't clean bathrooms. Got it? If you sit at Jesus' feet, you will come away from that experience with a wonderful attitude of serving, whether it's cleaning a bathroom, setting up a chair, and being a leader in God's house. The one way you're going to know what a leader really is is to start sitting at his feet and pouring out your love to him and sucking in what he's got to give to you and then you won't have such a stinking rotten attitude towards everybody else. Well, I'm ministry personnel. I'm spiritual. It's sitting at his feet, friends, that I learn to do those things with the right attitude. You know, there's a Martha in you. Come on, man. There's Martha in you, buddy. There's also Mary. It's not one or the other. It should be both. It's not one or the other. It should be both. 
And some people, sad to say, it's only Martha. Busy, 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 work, 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 demonstration, 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 but no revelation. Mary represents revelation. Martha represents demonstration. And if Martha gets up first before Mary gets up and sits at his feet, then you have demonstration without revelation and it leads to spiritual stagnation. And that's the trouble in your Christian life because it's the trouble in mine. Sometimes I get so busy doing the work of God and doing for him, for Jesus, and then I see somebody sitting at his feet and I get a bad attitude because I'm not doing that. Then I start giving out false accusations about them and even Jesus for that matter because he cares more about them than he cares about me. God has a divine order. You see, they're sisters. Mary and Martha are sisters. You can't have one without the other. Each has a place, but each must be in their place. God has a divine order. I think I talked about that last time, but but God has a divine order. Here it is again. Mary first, then Martha. That's always the way it has to be. And that's why we're struggling in our Christian experience. Because Mary isn't having her proper place. Martha's getting up and doing. And whenever that happens, revelation doesn't come. Martha means my activities, my duties, my job. Cleaning the house, standing at your machine. Your ministry, doing. It's it's a valid part of our lives. Demonstration. But Mary represents our being, our desires, feeding the spirit man, communing with God, taking time to be at his feet. When was the last time you spent time sitting at the feet of Jesus? Martha, if she is first, if she gets up and becomes busy, then she misses what Jesus has for her. And what she's doing for him becomes mere drudgery. And she cannot see Christ. She cannot see her sister correctly. Her purpose is blurred. Her perspective is skewed. And her attitude is affected. And Christ has got to bring us back to reality. If we're going to see another 12 years with the, with the power of God present, then we're going to have to get back to revelation, then demonstration, so we can avoid stagnation in the church of Jesus Christ. That's what God spoke in my heart. Mary must be first, then Martha. Mary sat. One thing is needful. Remember that? One thing is needful. Yes, that doesn't mean, though, just because one thing is needful, that that doesn't mean she didn't serve. She just had her priorities right. The one thing needful, the one thing needful, being, always affects the doing. When we sit at his feet, communion, waiting in his presence, how many know it affects our work? How many know it affects our walk? How many know it affects our talk? The revelation always affects the demonstration spending time with him let me just say this if you commute to work i don't know what distance it is you drive to work every day but i I don't know what that is but if it's a little a little ways how many that can be a little bit tedious do you know god has let you have that opportunity to commute that distance so that you could commune he did that on purpose for you 
He gave you that drive time so you could have that communion time. So instead of griping about the commute, why don't we take advantage and sit at his feet? Then when we get to work, we've got something to demonstrate to these people who need to see Jesus in us. We don't spend enough time with him. Oh, I don't spend enough time with Jesus. Then you drive to work every day and don't spend any time at all. Or we listen to a CD. Well, that's good. I do do that too. I I love that. But maybe you ought to turn it off and just commune with the Lord. That's not against the law, you know. (laughs) There's no law that says you have to have a CD on. It's just not, you know, you can shut it off. (gasps) Sacrilege. That's a Christian CD. Hey, friends, how do you think the guy that sang that song on a CD got it in the first place? He should have got that song by communing with his God and his Savior in the privacy of his own life. And maybe if you did that and I did that, maybe we'd come up with a song. Maybe God would give you a song. Someone said this. He said, if our tendency is to pray less and less, our tendency to sin will be more and more. Value that time of prayer. Value that time to commune with God. I've got to tell you tonight, folks, getting on your knees and spending time with God, and we're going to give an altar call tonight, and I'm going to ask God to speak to every one of you people, young and old alike, that we would walk up here and have some merry time. Because it's time. We can talk so much about something we think we did it. Talk about prayer. Talk about prayer. I gotta have prayer. I have prayer. I have prayer. 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 Just have, have prayer. Me. Prayer. Me. We talk so much about prayer. We think we prayed. Talking about it doesn't mean you did it. And let me just say, just showing up for prayer, you get points just for getting there. You know that? Spend time with the Lord, even if nothing happens. Well, nothing happened. Also, that's the basis of your prayer life. The basis of your prayer life is something happened to me when I prayed. I don't think so. My Bible says Moses went up to the mountain, spent about 40 days. Where was he? With God. Well, we all know something happened. Well, sure, but when he came down from that mountain, what was different about him? He glowed. His face glowed. Guess what? He didn't know it. And when you spend time with God, other people will notice what you may not notice about yourself. And when he comes down from the mountain, the Bible says his face glowed. From what? Just from spending time with God. And our lives need to glow. You know why they're not? You know why some of our marriages are the way they are and our churches are the way they are and our leadership is the way it is? Because of not spending time in revelation. And when we go out to demonstrate, it isn't there in the power which it should be. When I was a kid, I don't know how old I was, 10, 12 years old, I got a watch for Christmas. It was a glow-in-the-dark watch. I thought it was the coolest thing. I put it on my wrist, went to bed that night, and went like this. I didn't see nothing. Well, that's a stupid thing. What kind of a dumb watch is this anyway? Whoever sells this nonsense? Then I read the instructions. The instructions said, must be exposed too light stupid me so you know what i did i 
took it and sat it under the lamp. And it said, the longer you expose it to the light, the longer it will glow in the dark. Do you get what I'm saying? One of our problems is we're not exposed to the light. We're exposed to everything else under the sun, but not to the light of the world. And if we will get alone with God, let the light shine on us. When we walk out of this place, there will be a glow about us that the world cannot ignore. And you may not even be aware of it yourself. And then guess what? We'll reveal the correct time. And people should know what time it is by our lives. I feel so good. I think if you all left, I'll finish anyway. It's sitting at his feet. Mary must be first. I hope you're getting the idea. Mary must be first. Then Martha. When Mary is first, then Martha's ministry, Martha's activity, Martha's doing has a glow about it. And it won't matter whether they ask you to clean the bathroom or preach a sermon. Your life will have a glow about it because you have spent time at the feet of Jesus. And that's what's wrong with our churches. We're too wrapped up in demonstration and not enough in revelation to make our demonstration powerful and effective. Peter and James and John went with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. You all know what, what a wonderful experience that was. How many would love to have been there? Would you love to have been there? Can you imagine? And then Peter says, let's build three tabernacles and stay here, rah, rah. You know, it was a great experience. But you know what they had to have? That great experience. But guess what else happened? Jesus said, we can't stay here. We're going to go down to the valley where the demon-possessed boy is. There's your demonstration. You see, there must be revelation, then demonstration, and people's lives will be healed, delivered, set free, and Jesus will get all the glory for it. Where does it all come from? It comes from spending time at his feet. And guess what? You can't just talk about it. That's why I always tell my church, I say this, any time is the right time for an altar call. Any time is the right time for an altar call. And boy, us older people, and that's what I consider myself now, we all want the young people to get to the altar. Why don't we go and show them how to do it? Why don't we be the first ones to show these young people how it is at the altar? Well, it's because of Mary getting up in us first that Martha can be effective in her demonstration. And we will live balanced lives. Now, my question to you is this. Are you guys doing all right? You're not bored to death, I hope. How will it affect us? In other words, how will Mary getting up first affect us? Let's put it a different way. Why is it important that Mary gets up first and sits at his feet before Martha demonstrates? Why is that important? Three reasons. Here they are. Number one. If Mary gets up first and sits at his feet, we will experience... A divine perspective on things. How many know we need a perspective? We need a perspective. We will then see our work differently. We will begin to see things from God's point of view when you spend time at the feet of Jesus. Everything is seen from a sitting at his feet perspective. This is why some are having trouble at their jobs and in their homes. Because Martha gets up first. And starts off in all her activity. And she couldn't then gain a correct view of the junk that's happening to her. She can't see things right. 
Because there's no revelation in the presence of God. Her perspective was clouded. And just how big things were and just how small things were, she couldn't tell. She couldn't tell how big something was. How many know some people make a mountain out of a molehill? Everything is big, 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 big. Do you realize that with God, nothing is big? Everything is small. You see, if we can get at his feet, we will gain and experience a divine perspective. And then we'll be able to tell what things are big and what things are small. Let me give you an idea of this. I just got this little, can you all see this? I want to show you, I want to show, I want to show you a tree that I drew. There's my tree. Question, how big is a tree? Answer, I really don't know. I really don't know how big that tree is. Is it two foot? Is it one foot? Is it 16 feet high? I don't know until I put something else in the picture. And when I put something else in the picture, now I know what size the tree is. I know this is very simple, but don't you think we need it simple? Don't you think we need it simply straight? And that is this. When we, when we sit at his feet, we begin to see how small our tree, our problem really is because we put God in the picture. When you put God in the picture, everything else falls into perspective. And what do you see? You see this. There's nothing too big for my God. You see that all things work together for good. You see that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine according to the power that works in us. That's what you begin to see. You begin to see that God can do all things well. When you sit at his feet, you start realizing how small things really are. You gain a correct view, and then you don't get mad at Jesus. And you don't get mad at Mary, your sister. And you don't start saying, nobody cares. They think I'll eat worms. Let me tell you what the problem with you is. It's the same problem that's with me. And that is me. And that is me. And my problem is, sir, I have not sat at his feet enough in quietness. Gaining a right perspective on my life and how things really are. You see, friends, there's a difference between truth and fact. Facts change, but truth never changes. Secondly, we encounter a divine purpose. That's the second thing. What do you mean? When we sit at his feet, the reason it's important is because we need a perspective that's divine, and we need a purpose that's divine. We need to encounter his divine purpose for our lives. When you spend time with God, you come to know that God has a reason for all this junk happening in your life. (laughs) Right? When Mary is first, purpose is focused upon. His purpose in two areas. Number one, his purpose in me. And number two, his purpose in other people. Do you realize, folks, and I know that you do, that God will use the circumstances of life to get out of you what is in you? Hit your thumb with the hammer and what's in you come out of you. It'll be, oh, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, oh, Jesus, or it'll be something else. And you say, oh, that's terrible. And God says, yep, that's terrible. But now you know what's in there, don't you? But now you know what's in there, don't you? You see, God works all events to fulfill his purpose in your life. God has a plan for your life, sir. Yeah, but you messed it up. But God still has a plan for your life. God still has a plan for your life. 
sitting at his feet, he reveals to me my real problem. And it's not my government. Boy, it's easy to point the finger at everybody else. We can say the government's this problem, the government is, it goes all down the line. I know they got their issues, but you know what the trouble is? It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Hallelujah. Stop, stop pointing the finger at everybody else. I see his purpose for my life. I focus on his purpose for my life. When I sit at his feet, he uses my job, my marriage, my activity, my ministry to fulfill his purpose in me. Which was what? To be conformed to the image of his son. There it is. That's why he lets this junk happen to you. So he can conform you to the image of his son. You see, the enemy means it for evil. But God means it for good. I, I, I look at that and I say, yeah. You know what that means? Now I don't look at my circumstances the same way that I used to. Because I gained the right perspective, and now I see he's got a purpose. But it's not just a purpose in my life. It's a purpose in somebody else's life. Do you realize that God lets you go through things for other people's benefit? Hey, listen, Jack, it's not all about you. Do you know it's not all about you? Do you know what some people's problem is? Same as my problem sometimes, and that is I think everything revolves around me. And it doesn't revolve around you. Everything is not about you. It's not all about you. And the devil will make you think it's all about you. Isn't the devil just slick and willy, huh? Isn't he that way? You know what he'll do? He'll say, ain't nobody like you, Jer. I go, I know. <laughs> In fact, nobody's gone through it like you've gone through it. I know. <laughs> In fact, he'll say, you know, you're, you're the only one that's ever gone through this. You go, I know what's wrong with people. <laughs> that's the devil, see. He'll try to make you think you're unique. Guess what, Charlie? You're not unique. You've gone through the same things that every one else of us have gone through. In fact, you can go to this church, look around, and see people lifting their hands who have been through hell on earth, but God brought them through just the same. When you pass through the waters, it will not overflow you. When you go through the fire, it will not burn you. My God, who is able to do it, will be there on your behalf, and he will fill your heart today to overflowing if you'll keep your perspective and keep your purpose focused on him in your life. It's not just all about you. It's about somebody else. Hey, Paul and Silas were in jail. For whose benefit? For theirs? Well, of course. But you know what the Bible says? It says, and they sang praises unto God. Get this, get this, get this. And the prisoners heard them. What? Do you know that you might be in that mess? Not because you did something wrong, as you've heard me say before, but because you've done something right. And you see, friends, somebody needs to hear you singing in the middle of the night. And it's for their benefit. Let me ask you today. Why was Joseph taken to Egypt and thrown in prison? Well, we all know the result is so that his family could be spared. And so that Pharaoh could see God's hand working in his life. Do you believe it? It wasn't just for Joseph's benefit. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were going through the fire. Why did they go through the fire? Was it, was it for their benefit? Yes. But wasn't it for God's purpose being fulfilled in somebody else's life? It was so that Nebuchadnezzar could look in there and say, I thought we threw three men in there. And the fourth one 
is like the son of God. And the man gets converted because three men refused to compromise because three men sat at the feet of God, sat at the feet of Jesus, were willing then to see the demonstrating power of God because God revealed himself to them. They then demonstrated that power and Nebuchadnezzar is saved because somebody sat at Jesus' feet. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Daniel was thrown in the lion's den for his benefit? No, not just his benefit, so that King Darius could acknowledge God. Did he? Yeah. Jesus died on Calvary for his benefit? He died on Calvary for your sin. He died for your sin so that you wouldn't have to die for yours. And lastly, this is important that you spend time at his feet. So when it's all to cause given, I encourage you to come. Hey, don't feel obligated to come. Don't feel coerced to come. Let the Spirit of God speak to you because you know what? Let's be honest with ourselves. Martha has risen up first in your life a little bit too much. And Mary hasn't had her chance. And you're the one that has deprived it. And you wonder why you're struggling where you are. Jerry, it's because revelation isn't there. And demonstration without revelation has caused me stagnation. So the last reason I give you why this is important is this. Because we can expect, if we will put Mary first, we can expect divine power or parakletos or the paraclete power. What do you mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. When you find that your family abandons you, God will be with you. Listen to what I'm saying. Paul said, I, I, I now glory in these infirmities so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paraclete means someone called alongside to help. It's the Holy Ghost power called alongside to help. And so what you will experience is this divine power of the paraclete coming alongside and holding you up all along the way. Even if everybody says, hasta luego, we're out of here, bud. I'm telling you, Jesus will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. When everybody leaves you, Jesus will be there. That's what I'm saying. If you put Mary first, if you start spending time with him at his feet, you will begin to expect divine power in any and every circumstance. I was waiting on the Lord about this thought many years ago. And I may have shared this story with you before, but that's okay. Because some of you haven't heard this. And it's God helping me to see this truth here in my own life. So really, just sit back and relax because this is about me. This problem I had. I was waiting on the Lord. And a verse came to me. When Paul the Apostle said, he said, everybody has forsaken me. Everybody has left me. He says, but the Lord stood by me and empowered me, strengthened me, and delivered me from the mouth of the lion. And I'll tell you, if you'll spend time at his feet, you'll begin to experience his being with you through thick and thin. It took me back to my high school days. I was sitting in my chair in my office, and I, I, this came to me, and I just jumped right out of my chair. Revelation. You see, the revelation came to me as I was sitting at his feet. 
And God helped me see it, Pastor. It was in high school. I was a senior in high school. And one of my favorite classes was government class. I was, quote, unquote, a conservative. I didn't know why. All I knew was my parents voted conservative. I couldn't defend myself. My life depended on it. You know, that's the way some Christians are. I believe this, and I believe that, and I believe the other thing, and I believe it. Can you explain? No, I can't. Well, I believe it. Couldn't defend myself if my life depended on it. I was in class one day, and I loved politics. And the, and, and the teacher, his name was Mr. Epling. He said, all right, guys, here's what we're going to do today. We're going to have a debate. And I'm like, well, sounds good. I had a best friend. Best friend's name was Joe. Joe was a valedictorian of the class when we graduated. Smart guy. Always hanging around with smart people. Always tried to, because I really wasn't smart. <laughs> At least I didn't think so. My mother thought I was smart. Smart Alec. But he was in the class. So he said, we're going to have a debate. And he says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a, a debate against the liberals and the conservatives. It was election year that year. We got into a nice discussion about that stuff. He says, all right. He says, everybody who is for the liberal candidate, raise your hand. I'm sitting at my desk going, <laughs> this ought to be good. Bunch of people raise their hands. He says, all right, everybody for the conservative candidate, raise your hand. I stuck my hand up. And then I looked around. And there was nobody else raising their hand. And I wanted to all of a sudden scratch my head. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is ridiculous. What? I'm the only one? Where's my buddy Joe? Joe forsook me. Joe forsook me and fled. Well, I didn't realize that Joe wasn't a conservative. <laughs> he was literally, he's not my best friend no more. So I was shaking in my boots. How many know what I mean when I say shaking in my boots? There's about 28 people in that class. And he says, all right, Hunt, take your desk and slide it over to that side of the room. Everybody else, slide your chairs on this side of the room. And I'm going, oh, Jesus, this is not a good thing. And I remember sitting there. I was shaking in my boots. Now, outwardly, I wasn't. But inwardly, I was like, this is bad. This is no good. They're gonna t- I'm toast. They're going to eat me alive, blah, 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 because I could not explain why I believed what I believed. And all of a sudden, he says, all right, we're going to begin. And I'm just going, no, no, Jesus, they're just going to kill me. This is bad. And he comes out from behind his podium, takes a desk, slides it next to mine, sits down and says, all right, it's you guys against me and Hunt. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. All of a sudden, I felt totally different. How many know what I'm talking about? Do you know what I'm saying? All of a sudden, I, I, I got different. I started, I started acting different. Hey, We're going to wipe up the floor with you people. How many know you react different? How many know your demeanor changes? How many know that all of a sudden that I didn't have any answers? I still didn't have any answers, but I knew there was someone who came beside me who had all the answers. Glory to God. I'm here to tell you, he's got the answer. You don't got the answer, but he's got the answer. Glory to God. You don't need to know the answer. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, they'd say something and I'd say that is not true. Tell him. Tell him why. Tell him why. And he'd say, that's right. That's not true because da-da-da-da-da-da. I said, that's right. Listen to what that man's telling you. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm here to tell you. It's because Mary gets up first in your life. And you sit at his feet. And then when you face persecution, or when you face trials, or when you face temptations, 
Oh, you don't have the answer, but you have the one in you that is the answer. And he will arise within you and he will strengthen you when you need to be strengthened. And his grace is sufficient for all your needs. Glory to God. Do you believe that tonight? Oh, thank you, Jesus. So here's the altar call. Who's been rising up in you? Martha. Why don't you have the guts to admit it? That Martha has been rising up a little bit too early. And she's been doing some demonstrating before you've been allowing Mary to sit at his feet. And you wonder why your life is the way it is. I didn't say you weren't a Christian. I'm saying your Christian experience, that demonstration without revelation, has led to stagnation. And it has affected your home. It's affected your work performance. It's affected your leadership. It's affected the way you sing. It's affected your relationships with your wife or with your husband or with your children. It's affected your relationship with your pastor. It's affected it because Martha is not in her right order. And when Mary is in the right order and Martha follows, then revelation comes and demonstration will make a difference. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless. Master.